The Cosmic Christ Center presents The Cosmic Bible With your host, Ascendant Master, Theologian, and Bible Instructor, Mercy Heavens Touch the face of God Hear the Spirit in every word and commune with the cosmic knowledge of the Creator. This is Christ's Word. Theme music, Blue Skies by David Feslian. FeslianStudios.com Moses said to the people, The Lord your God will send you a prophet, just as he sent me, and he will be one of your own people. You are to listen and obey everything that he tells you to do. Welcome to the Cosmic Bible. I'm Mercy Heavens, and this is Christ's Word. Many a man has left the church due to the intolerance of the church policies and the persecutions and bigotry of the clergy and the parishioners, and also due to the violence, oppression, and inequities inside the Bible's words. But the Bible was written by men, not by God, and therefore it is men that are driving the people away from God. Jesus told me, What men have not destroyed, they have corrupted. This is the truth of what men do, and men do it often. Men do these things with malice, contemplation, and deliberate intent. And because men willingly work towards creating hardship and suffering for others, God is not inside them. Yea, do not think these men speak for God, for they do not. The truth of what men do, and how men think, and how men act, God does not justify. For what men do and how men think and how men act cannot be justified. These things men do are atrocities. They are abominations beyond acceptance and allowance. Because every man is out for themselves and their own individual power and gain over all other men, this begins a process of leading the world with lies. And so man has started a culture of twisting what is wrong and making it what is right by convincing the people God approves of their wrongdoing. But God does not. Moses says he spoke for God, but he did not. When Moses speaks, he speaks for himself and the benefit of men. When God speaks, God speaks for the benefit of the mind and all creation. Listen to what Moses says to the people in Deuteronomy 13, 15. In Deuteronomy 13, 15, Moses says, The Lord your God is giving you land to live in, and if troublemakers rise among you and try to lead you astray, you must destroy both the town, its people, 
and its livestock. You are to gather all the plunder of the town into the middle of the public square and completely burn the town down and all of its plunder as a whole burnt offering to the Lord your God. That town from there on is to remain in ruin forever, never to be rebuilt, and none of the condemned things are to be found in your hands. Then the Lord will turn from his fierce anger, and he will show you mercy, and he will have compassion on you. He will increase your numbers, because you obeyed the Lord your God by keeping all of his commands that I am giving you today. By doing this, you are doing right in the Lord's eyes. Moses may have been the receiver of God's message, but Moses did not take the message down verbatim. Moses instead took the message down the way Moses wanted to hear it. Moses interpreted what God said with human embellishment to suit Moses' own level of comprehension and understanding until the scripture itself was translated and rewritten in another man's own point of view rather than in God's own truth. But the truth of God is written down for all to see. Ephesians 6.17 The helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit is the word of God. 1 Corinthians 14.33 God is not a God of disorder. God is a God of peace. Did Noah's message to the people sound like he was relaying the words of a God that believed in salvation and peace? The answer is no. And since a God of salvation and peace would not say what Noah said to the people, then Noah was not speaking for God. The prophets often changed God's messages as did the human translators of the Bible and the leaders of all of the Christian churches. The fact is, God wants men to act in peace because God is a God of peace. But men with wealth want more wealth. And so they don't care about peace. The men with wealth are the leaders of the people. And so they want more land and more power over the people. And because they want more power over the people, they use God as a powerful tool against the people by convincing the people God is violent. Once they tell the people that God will hurt them if they do not do what the men in power want them to do, the people then start fearing God. And this is what makes them favor the men who are in lead above God. In other words, God's peaceful message is lost to the people because the people are now believing that the men are God. 
Although God praises all men who act in peace, the prophets whom God speaks to get weary when the people are afraid of going against the men in rule. You must understand that the men in rule are telling the people that God's true peace is the violence and inequity that men cause. Once the people think that their rulers are administering God's true word, they begin to fear for their lives. And then, whatever the prophets say to them that is contrary to their rulers, they believe are lies. And so, to avoid punishment from their rulers, they attack the prophets. And that's how the prophets change their stories to suit the people's fear. So the people will not attack them and run them off their lands. The prophets feed into the very lies that the rulers have been telling the people rather than teaching them the truth of God. This is the way of men. The people who are not wealthy but long for peace want to be left alone. And the people who are not wealthy and don't care about peace only want the wealth and the power of their rulers. In both cases, the prophets place themselves in great danger of retribution. For the ones who do not care about peace will help spread the lies of the rulers to further the corruption of men, so the men in power will favor them. And the ones who do want peace will be too afraid to stand up for it. So they will fight the prophets tooth and nail to keep their own meager lives untouched by any outside interference. Because in both cases, the prophets fear for their well-being, a dynamic is created where no one knows the truth or cares to hear the truth. But the truth is this. Without the spirit present in a man's actions and words, the world shall be destroyed. And so it was destroyed. And it is still being destroyed by men today. Your job as a spiritual reader is to eliminate man from the spiritual lessons inside the scriptures by keeping focused on the lessons and not on the chosen human words that the prophets are saying. Remember, always apply the lesson of who and what God is to understand if God is being channeled through the prophets and through the scriptures or if the scriptures are merely men embellishing God's words to suit their own power, greed, and personal agendas. 
God is the creator of our life. And that means God is the creator of all of the heavens, the universe, and all of nature that the eye can see. God loves all of his creations. Now that you know what God is, let's learn again who God is. We're going to do this by using the Bible's scriptures. Numbers 3.23.19 God is not human. Therefore, God does not act or think like a human. John 4.24 God is spirit. As a spirit, God again does not think and act like a human. 1 John 4 7. God is love. Since God is love, God would not say or do anything that was not loving. Proverbs 35. God is flawless. Numbers 3, 23, 19, and Titans 1.2. God does not lie, nor does God change God's mind. 1 Corinthians 14, 33. God is not a God of disorder. God is a God of peace. John 1.5 God is light. In God there is no darkness at all. Psalm 145.9 The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all that he has made. And he has tender mercy on all of his creations. A merciful, compassionate God of love, light, peace, and spirit would not tell a man to burn down cities, destroy property, or kill innocent lives. After all, as a spirit, God must hold the fruits of the spirit. And that means God has kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, forbearance, and self-control. Remember, forbearance is restraint and tolerance. It is the action of refraining from exercising or enforcing any retaliation, movement, action, or measure that might harm, kill, or cause suffering, hardship, death, or distress. Would the Spirit of God kill the innocent and desecrate lands in an effort to raise the people's minds and bring them to states of love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control? The answer is no. Reva Christ now shares a message from Jesus.
When I first began channeling Jesus Christ, I reached out to him through his own words that were written down in the New Testament, and I would ask him about scriptures. I was not familiar with all of the scriptures in the Bible, but when I read Matthew 19, 8, it occurred to me that if the prophets were changing the words of God, then all the religions of the world were leading their congregations with lies. For the things that the prophets said did not always coincide with Christ's description of God's nature. Matthew 19, 8, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning. Jesus tells me, No, when I speak of Moses, I do so because Moses does many things that are for the benefit of men rather than the benefit of God, but was not that way from the beginning, because in the beginning it was God's way. But in Moses' day, Moses gave man his own way. He let man rule, and in doing so Moses made man God. And he wasn't the only prophet to do this. Many others did the same thing. They worshipped man as God to avoid the wrath of men. For it was men that invented wrath from the bowels of their own hatred of virtue. The old teachings have been poisoned, and this is why I tell them, to illuminate the truth, to tell the reason why it all went bad and how it all went bad, so you will understand that even the great book is filled with man's hate, and this hate has been the cornerstone of your modern-day propaganda. I, you have all been hoodwinked, and you have slept through the programming and accepted the programming as truth. And now you do not know up from down or right from left or wrong from right. You are not your own. You are owned in body and in mind by the human masters that procreate you and run your world. And the truth of it is this. You cannot stand outside your programming to see it because you and your programming are one. There really is no you at all. In order to have a separate identity, you must seek contrast. But you do not even see this unless it is a moment's pause of confusion or amusement because you encounter something that is different. But because what is odd is different and you are programmed only to respond to monotony, you cannot comprehend the oddity. You cannot see it clearly or know it clearly. You are like a machine that is unable to compute with its senses because your senses have been overtaken by a larger machine, the ruling machine that is your master, the programmer of all your mechanical information that has been fed to you since birth. You live in mono-colors and mono-worlds that are laid out for you so you all live the same lives and follow the same monotonous routines from drinking to smoking, from procreating to working, to spending all your money on the master's material goods. You only serve the master while you believe you serve yourself, but even your belief has been programmed into you by your master because you have been told you want to smoke. You have been told you want to drink. You have been told you want to procreate. 
You have been told you want to work. You have been told you want to buy your master's goods, and not once, yea, at no time did you ever step outside of the programmed stream to say, who says I want this? You don't even know who you are. You only know the name that everyone calls you, and this was also given to you. Someone else made that name up. Your first programmers, your parents, I, they are programmed, you are programmed, you will program your own children, and they will program their children, and it will all be the same programming, because no one chooses to own his own mind. As the prophets surrendered their minds to suit their human masters, so you too are lost to your human masters, carrying on the tradition of corrupt programming. Soulless living and the addiction of blind consumerism while you are consumed by the masters that run your world. There are many scriptures where Moses' true character is revealed, but the most important one is Moses and the grains. For in the story Moses and the grains, Moses shows us he is not interested in even being a shepherd to the people and in fact he considers it a great burden Moses and the grains is not only a story that confirms God did not change God's mind about God's first original diet Moses and the grains is a story that is also about the people's lack of faith in God. Numbers 11.4 The people started wailing for more food as they cried out, If only we had meat to eat! We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, the melons, the leeks, the onions, and garlic. But now we have lost our appetites. We never see anything but this manna bread. Where is our meat? Moses, whom God sent to shepherd the people, got tired of their complaining, and so he prayed to God. Numbers 11.11 11. Moses said, Why have you brought this trouble on your servant, God? What have I done to displease you? that you put the burden of all these people upon me. Did I conceive all these people? Did I give them birth? Why do you tell me to carry them in my arms as a nurse carries an infant to the land you promised in the oath to their ancestors? Where can I get meat for these people? They keep wailing to me, give us meat to eat. I cannot carry these people myself. The burden is too heavy for me. If this is how you are going to treat me, please go ahead and kill me now. And don't let me face my own ruin. The Lord then said to Moses, Bring me seventy of Israel's elders, who are known to you as leaders and officials among the people. Have them come to the tent of the meeting place 
And I will come down and I will take some of the power of the spirit that is on you and I will put it on them. They will share the burden of the people with you so that you will not have to carry it alone. Tell the people this. Consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow when you will eat meat, not just for one day or two days or five days or 10 days or 20 days, but you will eat meat for a whole month until it comes out your nostrils and you loathe it because you have rejected the Lord. So Moses went out and told the people what the Lord had said. And there, after the Lord placed the power of the Spirit upon them, the Lord called up a mighty wind from out of the sea driving all of the quail in from the waters. As the quail scattered all around the camp, as far as a day's walk in any direction, all day and all night and all of the next day, the people went out and gathered up the quail. No one gathered less than 10 homers, and then they spread them out all over the camp while the meat was still between their teeth and before it could be consumed the anger of the Lord burned against the people as he struck them down with a severe plague leaving the ones that survived to bury the people who had died craving for the forbidden meat while forsaking the grains that the Lord did provide. Jesus tells me, seek and you will find the spiritual lesson in all scriptures. In the true tale of Moses and the grains, God told Moses this, when men look to death to feed and satisfy their dark cravings and longings, all they can receive is death in return. For no life can be born to death. Yea, in death the mind cannot rise unless the mind first seeks the light of life. The light of life is the light of salvation, and this cannot be found by taking any life. Nay, the taking of life takes away the breath of life, which is the spirit. How can the taking of life before it is ready to perish upon the earth preserve and renew the life cycle. I tell you it cannot. The eating of meat takes life away from those who seek to live. This act is the suffocation and strangulation of the light. The stories in the great book known as the Bible are presented to teach the light of the spirit so the mind will raise. When men apply wrath to the lessons Men embellish what they hear to entice the minds of all other men through selfish gain derived from fear. I tell you now, men only hear what they wish to hear, and men only see what they wish to see. Their understanding 
is one and the same. Men understand only that which serves their inequities and violent ways. The lesson of Moses and the grains teaches men to satiate their dark cravings with the succulent taste of fruit and vegetation, just as men were already shown a better way through these very things in Genesis 1.29. But men dismissed them in favor of their own insatiable lust for destruction and death. The higher intelligence sees these things. Men who call out for destruction and death are blind to seeing and learning a better way. Men were presented with manna because manna represented the very food that men rejected and did not crave. The absence of the flesh food they did crave was meant to teach them a higher lesson. For men would gobble up the fruit and vegetation and then still go out looking to consume destruction and death. In order to show man that death begats death, which begats even more death, man was first denied the flesh of God's creatures as food, and instead men were provided with manna. And when they would not be satisfied with their non-violent diet, when they insisted on killing living animals for food, for death was all they knew, living animals were provided, yet all were infected with plague. And when man sunk his teeth into the flesh, the plague infected them, and they also died. The death man caused the animals became the death that the animals caused men. And only in the stillness of death was their lust satisfied. Yet their minds were not wise enough to know the truth. God commanded a seed diet in Genesis 1.29 and God wants man to follow that seed diet in order to keep his mind peaceful and genteel, for it is a gentle and peaceful mind that is connected to God's mind. Romans 14.20 Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. Just read the scriptures to help you understand that meat-eating is a lawless sin. 1 Corinthians 15.56 The sting of death is sin. It is man that tells you that death only refers to human death, but it is man that tells you lies. God's word is not man's word. You cannot eat meat without creating states of death for the animals you kill. And as man did not invent the animals, as animals were created by God, then God does not want you to eat God's animals. James 4.17 So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Over and over again the scriptures tell you. Man knew that the right thing to do was follow God's first command. But God's first command did not feed man's lust for violence. Genesis one twenty nine. I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. Not only does this scripture outline a peaceful diet for the mind of man, but it also outlines that all the natural vegetation of the earth was to be shared 
with all the animal life. Man's diet was seed food. All other vegetation belonged to the other animal kingdoms. God fed all his creations because God prepared the earth to feed all his creations. The earth was not prepared for man's sole benefit. The earth was prepared for the benefit of the web of existence. And man is not this web. Man is only one single thread in the web. All threads must survive. All must eat. And all must live in peaceful enjoyment of God's earth. This is the natural law of God's kingdom. Whatever man tells you is the natural law is man's opinion in the matter, and it serves man. God's law serves God and the web of life. Once again, God proves God did not change his mind concerning his command in Numbers 23.19. Numbers 23:19. God is not human, that God should lie. God is not a human being, that he should change his mind. 1 John 3, 4. Everyone who practices sin also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Meat is sin. Meat is lawlessness. You cannot get meat without killing an animal. Jeremiah twenty two seventeen, You have eyes and heart only for your dishonest gain, for shedding innocent blood, and for practicing oppression and violence. Men will say that only humans are innocent, but men tell their own stories in order to justify themselves. All of God's creatures are innocent, including the animal kingdoms. You can say anything you want to about God, but the truth was already written. James 4.17 So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Once again in the story Moses and the Grains, Men did not obey God's law concerning Genesis 1.29, when God told man to eat only vegetation. So violence and inequity were brought into the world by way of man's lower mind, for men could not comprehend right from wrong and bad from good. It was man's greed that drove them to seek more food than what God provided. In 2 Corinthians 3, it says, Man's minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. Men are literally blinded by their own self-centered image of themselves. And as Matthew 7, 6 says, when those who follow blind guides read their gospels, they remain incapable of understanding the spiritual meaning. Because men are dark, they seek out violence and corruption and inequity, because their lower minds are magnets to these things. 
Men wallow and thrive in the darkness of wrongdoing because they were taught and understand that the wrong way is now the right way of thinking, acting, and doing things. But this is only the right way according to men because the true right way is too high for them to reach. They had to corrupt what was right because the corruption is what they could reach. How the corruption occurred was through propaganda programming, which you often speak about because the media is a power grab for who can put out the most advertisements to promote their personal and individual way of thinking. They use this avenue to condition and influence people's minds. All social media sites are nothing more than brainwashing platforms to collect followers to stand behind personal ideas, philosophies, and belief systems. The question everyone must be asked is this. Where does your moral compass point? Do you know what morality even is? What righteous moral path resonates with you? Do you know what righteousness is? The good purpose in the story of Moses and the grains lies in the fact that this story, when told or read correctly, teaches the audience to raise their minds above their worldly longings and do what is truly right, rather than searching and seeking to do what is wrong. Jesus told Mercy, when you already have food, you do not need to seek out more food. If you are dissatisfied, eat your food and seek out knowledge to satiate your need for wanting something more. When you already have, you should not want. How does wanting more of what you have benefit the higher mind? It does not. Eat the food God gave you and fill yourself with the spirit. The body needs very little to survive, but the mind inside the spirit needs nourishment every minute that you are alive. Nourish the mind and you will suffice the body's cravings. Once you connect with your higher eternal mind, you will see the benefits of eating only that which sustains you. For what good purpose does seeking more than you need hold? What good purpose does killing hold? What good purpose does longing for death hold? When you long for meat, you long for death. How does the eating of flesh benefit the mind and the spirit? It does not. To long for such things is evil. Read your scriptures. Proverbs 3, 7. Shun evil. This will bring health to your body and a nourishment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Proverbs 3, 7 doesn't speak of the fruits of the crop that are grown in a farmer's field. The fruits they speak of are the fruits of the Spirit. Love, mercy, tenderness, goodness, gentleness, forbearance, and self-control. These are the fruits you should be producing. These fruits should be overflowing, and your vats will then be brimming over with new wine the wine of goodness. 
Jeremiah 22:17 Men have eyes and heart only for dishonest gain, for shedding innocent blood, and for practicing oppression and violence. The people in the story, Moses and the Grains, knew the right thing to do, for God told them what was right in Genesis 1:29, when God told them to eat vegetation. People who desire and cry out for meat desire and cry out for the wrong thing, for they cry out for death, sin, and lawlessness. These are the ones who forsake the spirit and the higher alpha mind. Only the ones that establish peace in their actions will live an eternal life. But those who are dead, those very ones that sought slaughter over peace, they live no more. Their spirits did not rise, nor did their minds find their way to an eternal life in heaven. Isaiah 32:17. The work of righteousness is peace. Every time one desires and craves meat, their minds sink down to death as their path leads them to the dead. Release your minds and spirits from their mortal prisons and do what is truly right, not what is right by men, but what is right by God. John 6:63. 6, the spirit gives life, the flesh counts for, and profits nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. Just like meat is death, the mind that seeks to eat flesh is also death. Romans 8.6 The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Do not set your lower minds on the obtainment of flesh and mortal longings, for the flesh does not rise. Galatians 5.17 For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit needs what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. The spirit needs peace, peaceful thoughts, peaceful actions, peace of mind, and peaceful outcomes. Stay in line with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit, and as you toil over peaceful things, conform to the Spirit's needs, and you will always be truly righteous and godly, and your minds will always reap the rewards of eternal life. Only when you keep in step with the flesh will your bodies and your minds perish forever, for they will not rise. They cannot rise and therefore they will sleep the everlasting death of all the fallen men that have died before them. When thinking of renewing your minds to higher states of godliness, be like the animals. Animals prove their godliness and innocence through their selfless ability to stand by their human abusers. In the biblical story of the angel and Balaam's donkey, the Bible shows us that the love and innocence of animals outweighs man's corruptions in the eyes of God. The evil prophet Balaam's intention to destroy the Israelites showed God that Balaam had lost all the fruits, the seeds, the spirit, and the peace of God that God had placed inside him. But God, having forbearance, restrained his own displeasure for Balaam's wickedness because of a blameless donkey's love for the man. God placed the donkey's desire to keep the man safe and alive 
above God's own decision to teach the man a spiritual lesson in order to save both the donkey and the Israelites. Numbers 22-23 Balaam was riding his donkey on his way to kill the Israelites when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road before him as the angel held a drawn sword in his hand. Although Balaam could not see the angel because he was not of God, and therefore all of the fruits, seeds of peace and spirit of God was gone from Balaam's mind, heart, and soul, the donkey was one with God, for the donkey was blameless and innocent. The donkey was filled with the fruits, seeds, and peace and spirit of God, and therefore, fearing that the sword might harm the man, the donkey turned off the path and went into a field to protect the man like a hero and savior so he could keep the man safe from harm. Naturally, Balaam, being a godless man, did not see God inside the donkey, for Balaam was not only evil and blind to God, Balaam was also blinded by his own negativity, which rose from his empty, spiritless mind, and so unable to think of a positive reason why the donkey was taking him off his chosen course, Balaam beat the donkey until she returned back to the path. Balaam, being of inferior character, was unable to control his own actions, for the fruits of the spirit were not inside him. He had no forbearance or self-control. He had forsaken the fruits and chose to follow demons rather than follow God, and so by his own will, he was constantly led by his lower mind and worldly perceptions. Because Balaam's mind was dull and his heart was so self-seeking, Balaam only cared about his own pain, suffering, and opinions. He did not care about his donkey at all. But through his blinded quest to return to his path of destruction, once again he foolishly placed himself in danger on the road. For the angel of the Lord was once again standing there in a narrow passage between two vineyards, with walls on either side, so Balaam could not pass. Unable to see the angel for a second time, the donkey, who was of God and did see the angel, pressed herself tightly against the wall to keep Balaam safe once more. Only this time, without realizing it, the weight of the donkey began crushing Balaam's foot against the vines, as the donkey cowered from the sword to alert the man that danger was ahead. Yes, the donkey loved the man with a selfless love, the way all animals show love to their human companions. But rather than take notice of what was frightening the donkey, Balaam beat her once again, for Balaam was a mindless man, dim-witted and cruel by nature. Balaam did not care about the animal's well-being, for Balaam was not a shepherd. Balaam was a godless man that only cared about his own self-interest, as most men do, and being another man possessed by demons. He had no intelligence or spiritual gifts to guide his way, so the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and blocked Balaam's path for a third and last time, so there was no room to turn, not to the right, not to the left. The only option Balaam had was to retreat. When the donkey, who was selfless and caring to the man, saw that the angel of the Lord still wanted to harm the man, the donkey lied down to stop the man from moving closer to his fate knowing the man would never retreat from his violent task ahead. Even though the man had been cruel to the donkey, many times before the donkey loved the man as God intended, kindly, patiently, humbly, while keeping no record of wrongs. Furious over the donkey's behavior, 
Balaam still did not care why the animal was acting this way, and so he beat her with his staff once more. For when a man is blinded by their own godless lack of intellect, they tend to do foolish, violent, unfair, appalling, and unthinkable things. And even though God did give them a mind fully capable of understanding the consequences of their actions, men still do as they please, rather than doing what is right, regardless of who they may hurt or kill, and regardless of what innocent victim might be harmed in the path of their destruction. Seeing that the man was nothing more than an inept, unconscious fool, the Lord opened the donkey's mouth so she could speak to the man as the donkey said to him, What have I done to you that you have beaten me these three times? Here I am trying to alert you to danger, the only way I know how, and yet you are blinded and cannot see that my movements are my attempts to save you and keep you from harm. Balaam looked outraged that the donkey dare speak in human tongue. As he answered, You have made a fool of me. If I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now for doing things that made me look like the ass that you truly are. The donkey, now having the mind of God, replied to the man, It was your own blind-sighted mind that made an ass of you. Am I not the donkey you have ridden all your life until today? Am I not the donkey that faithfully carried you where you wanted to go, regardless of the weight you thrust upon me? When have I ever been disloyal to you or any man? Have I ever treated you this way before? Balaam, for the first time, used his empty mind and considered this, for God was now inside him, granting him the ability to think and use intellect. No, Balaam replied, as the Lord opened Balaam's eyes wide, and for the first time, Balaam saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. Balaam knew instantly that the donkey was trying to protect him from the angel, as sure as a man would protect a woman or a child, and so he got off the donkey and bowed low as he fell face down upon the ground. Forgive me, he cried out, as the Lord then asked him. Why have you been beating your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to oppose you, because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If she had not turned away, then by now, if I was an angel of death and not an angel of God, I would have had the chance to surely kill you while allowing her to live. I have sinned, my lord, Balaam cried out to the angel of the Lord, for I did not realize that you were standing in the road to confront me over my violent, ungodly ways, and now, if this is displeasing in your sight, I will go back home, as if I never left there. The angel of the Lord, having seen the innocence of the donkey, decided to spare the man from more repentance, and so he said to Balaam, Go with the other men, and speak to the Israelites. Only tell them what I tell you to say. The angel of the Lord did not send the man home, and instead the angel made the man face the very people that the man wanted to kill. To save his own life, the man had to obey the Lord and do only what the Lord instructed. No longer was his need to kill the Israelites great, for his need to survive became more important than his need to kill. This story is a reminder of Genesis 1.29 and how man's disobedience to God's first diet has led men to harm and kill animals and destroy the entire world. 
In both cases of Balaam and Genesis, men show how violent, unfair, unjust, and how detrimental their actions can be when they only think of themselves, forsake God's plans, and ignore all life around them. The moral of this story is evident and clear. Sharpen your minds from out of their dullness, and don't be blind-sighted by allowing your negative emotions to lead you, or they will surely lead you to sin. Self-indulgence, violence, inequity, rage, anger, greed, and self-interest are not positive emotions, so put them to death and act in restraint, love, peace, kindness, forbearance, and self-control at all times, so you don't wind up harming and killing others while making yourself look like a foolish ass. Job 12.7 Ask the animals, and they will teach you, or the birds in the sky, and they will tell you, or speak to the earth, and it will teach you, or let the fish in the sea inform you, which of all these does not know that the hand of the Lord has made all of creation? In his hand is the life and the breath of every creation, including all mankind. Is not the ear supposed to hear and test all words, just as the tongue tastes food? Is not wisdom found among the aged? Does not long life bring understanding? Jesus told me, do not allow the atrocities of men to reduce you to silence. Stand up and speak out against the abominations that men inflict on the world and to animal kind. Men act like they are the only people who matter in God's sight, and they are not. When men act in violence and iniquity, they are the least in the line of God's creations. Men are fools. They love themselves above all of creation and therefore wisdom will die with them as they cling to their last dying gasp of breath. Because men do not acknowledge that the animals have a mind, just as they do, they treat the animals as worthless beings, forgetting that the animals come from God. The animals are not inferior to any man. They, in fact, are superior to all men, for the animals never lose their connection to God. The lower minds of men are deeper than the depths below the great earth, and their violence, corruptions, and inequities are wider than the sky above. This is why they have lost God's seed, and this is why they are witless and dull. I told you before, the witless can no more become wise than the enlightened can become dim. What goes around comes around, and the dreaded consequences of man's abandonment of the first diet comes back to them every time they harm or kill a blameless, innocent creation of God. For with every destruction of an animal, so too does man destroy the earth and their own chance for survival. I'm Reva Christ. May the word of Christ be with you.